On this week's Merge Conflict, we discuss everyone's favorite topic, asynchronous programming and configure await false, a little bit of science fiction, the ideal hardware and software setup, a little bit of markdown, and even a little bit of artwork. All this and more on this week's Merge Conflict. You know, right before every single Merge Conflict, we write up a whole bunch of new ideas that we want to cover. And we have this big backlog, and, and we thought maybe this week, instead of doing a 30 to 40 minute episode on a single topic, maybe we could just do some shorter talks and cover a broad range of topics. So how does that sound, Frank? Uh, this is a great idea, because honestly, a few of the topics in that spreadsheet of ours, I'm not sure if, well, I'm not sure if anyone wants to listen to 40 minutes about. So I think this is a good idea. Let's yeah. So what's our format going to be? How are we going to do this? Are we going to be rigorous? How many are we going to do? Yeah, we're going to be rigorous. So we do lightning talks at our user group that we run here in Seattle. And those are a little bit longer. I think that we can pack more in. Uh, so we can do six topics, Oof, six five, topics, one five episode. minutes a piece, one episode, six topics, five minutes a piece, 30 minutes. I think we're going to need a clock to help us. Yes. Good thing that Zencaster literally has a count up clock. Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this. I have faith so. in us, James. So I think this will be fun. Um, we picked out six topics ahead of time, so we know what they're what they are, um, and th that's good. Are, are we going to pre-announce the topics, or are we just going to tell people when we dive in? I think we're just going to dot. No, we'll we'll pre-announce what it is. All right. So what do we got? So the first topic today we're going to talk about is a topic kind of close to my heart. And I think you put it on there, which is a markdown. Uh, what why did you want to talk about markdown? Oh, are we starting the clock? Yeah, You're putting started. me on the spot. Oh my god. Yeah, go. Okay. I love Markdown. Um, I think it started because I kind of fell in love with typography, and I was never really happy with the software that you had on computers uh, for doing typography. And it all came down to you basically had to use Microsoft Word to do nice-looking documents. And I didn't love using Microsoft Word. I came from a kind of Unixy text file background. And so I love languages that compile down into beautiful documents, and that's what Markdown does. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Markdown. I think, you know, I started creating and using um, Markdown early on, mostly for readme files, but early on, like Ghost and a few other blogging platforms used it. Now Tumblr does, which is great. But it's become kind of the essential programmer, you know, language at this point, besides C Sharp. It's kind of universal. We write in this um, Markdown type language. But what's really nice is that you can actually generate Markdown really quickly. And it and it makes a lot of sense to me. Like if I want to do a bulleted list, well, I just put, you know, stars, you know, asterisks. Yep. If I want to do one, two, three. That was the whole design. Yep. Uh, the whole design. If you want to do a list, yep, you do one, two, three. It was to look like what we would already write in text files. Whenever we had to do an ASCII text file, any kind of document, these were kind of the natural conventions people were already using. And they got codified into the Markdown standard. Yeah. And I, and you know, I still have HTML memorized, like to get me through my WordPress if I need to, you know, but I, <laughs> I just really prefer, like, it's so nice to be able to go like, oh, I can go from this readme file, copy and paste this code. Oh, it's so nice for code. And you copy and paste it over and you just slap it in there. Just have and, to indent it a little. Uh, so what was your first experience? Was it readme files? You know, honestly, I think my first like experience might've been with like Stack Overflow. That's what like, I was guessing, actually. I think that was a lot of people's first experience. 
Yeah. And it, it forced me to, you know what it was, was it forced me to learn markdowns because my, my code, I couldn't get like indented correctly or something like that. And then I was like, oh, I can use tick, tick, tick and our, uh, the, the little things, you know, to actually do it correctly without the indentation. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was my first exposure to it. And then I got really big into, into open source and GitHub. And, um, I realized that if you can generate a great, beautiful readme file, um, yeah. especially with Markdown, it really helps. You can use tables, you can do all this stuff, and it's it's really easy to understand. So anyone can edit it easily, which I really like. It was also a very clever hack in the design of Markdown. It, it was this very simple text-based language, but at the same time, it had HTML roots. And so you could always fall back to HTML if you needed to, to really spice up your documents or whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. Is there, and there any specific tools that you use around Markdown? <laughs> I actually do. I, uh, I use my own app, Kalka. <laughs> <laughs> Plug. Um, yeah. Uh, the neat thing about Markdown is it is just text files, so you can use anything. Uh, source code editors work perfectly fine, and they even do good syntax highlighting. I like a little bit more uh, formatting preview. So I tend to use, uh, well, Kalka 1 I mentioned, and then I use Marked. It's an app by uh, Brett Terpstra. I think mm. you can find it on the Mac App Store. It's just called Marked, M-A-R-K-E-D. And that's just a Markdown previewer. So you can drop any file onto it, and it'll just keep a live preview running. Oh, nice. I use. Uh, I did a whole blog post on this, actually. Is I, did, I use VS Code for, oh, yeah. for it. Oh, it works great. Yep. Yeah, it's actually built into VS Code, so you don't actually have to even do an extension at all. Uh, but there's extensions to open a live preview on the right-hand side. So whenever I open a Markdown file, it'll automatically open a side-by-side view of my Markdown. So as I am writing the Markdown, it will it will actually slide the cursors up and down, and it does images, it does everything. It is quite elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds right. Yeah, the only p- bad part of some Markdown things for me is when... And not around Markdown, really. It's around the editors. Like GitHub is really good at, oh, I need this image, so I'll just drag and drop the image into the Markdown. Yeah, but images like, are always the crux of Markdown. It, it's everything, even from Stack Overflow, not doing image hosting in the beginning. Images have always been the hardest part. Yeah, that's the only thing I think is kind of a bummer is like kind of resizing images, doing all that. You kind of have to just fall back to HTML, which isn't the hardest. It's just an image tag, but, you know, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of the Markdown, so... Yeah, but at the same time, they have some nice high-level things like doing captions on images that'll generate nice HTML. Yeah, so do yourself, how I learned it was I just went and I just Googled Markdown. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and you just learn a few simple syntax like bolding and code highlighting. and Or just play up. in the Stack Overflow editor. They have a nice side-by-side editor. Yeah, Pretty do that. Open a VS Code or that app that you said, and we'll put them in the show notes. So we'll say Markdown. It's a win, huh? It's a win. I love it. All right, thumbs up. Boom. Now, what I'm really always impressed with is actually our next topic, not from me, but from you, which is Uh-oh. artwork by programmers, <laughs> a.k.a. programmer art. Oh, and, boy. You know, I don't know how you do it, Frank, but your icons are actually really nice. Your <laughs> even your nougat icons are really nice, like end graphics and you know, things like that. <laughs> the ones I actually take time on. <laughs> Yeah, is there some tip and trick? You made the uh, Merge Conflict logo, by the way. I don't know if people want oh, to... Oh, jeez. You didn't have to announce that. Now I I'm going to get the emails. <laughs> I did. So I attempted to make the Merge Conflict logo time You had a good one. I liked yours. It, it just was needed terrible. some. It needed some work. It was terrible. Frank crushed it. I did actually modify yours a little bit. I put my design mind in it. And I, and I think <laughs> I'm a developer that has design in mind, so I work with our design team often to kind of give my yeah. developer perspective. But I just 
for the life of me, I can't make good artwork at all. Have you seen my NuGet packages? They're terrible. <laughs> well, so I'll, I'll just answer from my side is that um, I like learning to draw and learning how to make things pretty and interesting and graphically, you know, just nice. It's something I'm just interested in. It's like a hobby, you could almost call it. And so I unfortunately practice a little bit on my users and release a lot of programmer artwork because <laughs> I am not a perfect artist, but I still really enjoy it. And the only way to get better at something is to keep doing it and to do it in front of the public where you get criticized. <laughs> <laughs> do, are there specific tools that you're using? On uh, these days, I just uh, I use Sketch on uh, Mac. I don't think there's a Windows equivalent. I mean, it's, it's just the same software you would have with Illustrator illustrator um adobe's illustrator or even photoshop but it's a really nice app just for the mac yeah i used to make i used to do a lot of custom uh websites when i used to be really big into blogging before like tumblr and wordpress came along and i would use gray matter and all these other blogging frameworks and i would make these designs in photoshop and all these grudge and all these different things and i really enjoyed the design mm -hmm. part of it i never considered myself a designer because i'm not um, but I did enjoy it. I really got into Sketch. I really like Sketch a lot too. I think it's almost the de facto, you know, vector yeah. type application over on the Mac. And I will say I'm, I've now switched a lot over to a PC and I, I don't know, I just can't find anything good. Oh, you're I was, missing it. Yeah. yeah. I'm missing it. I have to jo go jump back over anytime I want to because like Photoshop, it's expensive. Yeah. Um, I don't want to install Illustrator. GIMP is um, a oh, disaster. It's, it's, yeah. I, I guess the best one, uh, What what is the vector drawing app? I'm blanking. Inkscape. That's probably your best yeah. bet on Windows. I'll have to try but that, that has a bit of a Linuxy, Unixy UI that you really have to learn. No, but I want to. that. I want to go back to that. something you said, though. Um, you said you actually enjoy doing it, and I want to put mm -hmm. that out there that this is actually a skill, and it can be learned pretty much by anyone. You just actually have to want to learn that skill and are willing to put in the time and effort to learn it. So go look at other people's icons, try to redraw other people's icons, get a sense for how they pull off effects, get a sense for color balance, um, you know, so many different things, but you only really learn by doing it. And so I just encourage everyone to, no matter what software you have, if you have to use MS Paint built into the operating <laughs> system, go for it. Yeah, and it's super important, especially when you want to go to the app store and you want to publicize your app. And if you're a solo dev, you know, there's services out there you can use like Fiverr or a few other ones like that, which are good to at least get you running. And if you can ask for the source artwork, that's really good because then you can resize it and you can learn what they did. Yeah, there um, are tons of resources out there mm -hmm. for you. You are you do not have to be constrained by programmer art. Go out there, spend a couple hundred bucks on some icon packs and some uh, um, prefab art, that kind of stuff. And I think you used to show me a website. There's a bunch of Android artwork out there that's open source. Yeah, if you're putting some, if you're putting icons and standard things into your application, such as toolbars or you know, tabs, uh, icons, Gilfish or Glyphish, I think Glyphish yep, I, is what it is. I used to always pay for them. Yep, mm -hmm. loved them. Just buy them. They're standard. Use standard icons. Android and Google, they have their own standard pack. There's the same for Windows out there. I'll put them in the show notes if I can remember all of them, but. Yeah, you know what? Just like use the standard ones that have already been designed. That's the first the first rule of programmer art is use the art that everyone else is already using. Absolutely. Yep. If it's a filter, make it look like a filter. If it's a plus <laughs> button, make it look like the standard plus button. I can't don't yeah. redraw that. So that's a good tip. Um, yeah. And I guess we can just end there um, with saying just try it. 
it's a little embarrassing at first. If you draw something and it looks ugly, just, you know, put it aside, do a new version of it and keep drawing it. You'll yeah, get there. Yeah. And that's for feedback. All right, cool. Next topic is one near and dear to my heart because I just recently went through quite a few big changes, which is we get a lot of developers coming up to both of us like, what do I need to buy to get started with mobile development? Yeah, okay, this topic. Yeah. All Uh, right, what do you need to buy? You don't need to buy much anymore. You just need a laptop, right? Uh, it depends what you want to do. Do you want to do iOS and Android development or or <laughs> Windows <right>. development? <laughs> so are we going to talk about our setups or are we going to give advice to people? Yeah, I'll just talk about my setup and what I like about it, what I don't like about it. Um, I recently moved to, so I do iOS, Android, Windows development. I do library creation across all the platforms. So I need a setup where I can be diverse and go everywhere. But I do travel a lot, so I don't want a big bulky laptop with me so i have a surface book which i really like it's fully specced out has a nice 512 looks very Um, nice i saw it yeah it's really nice i never use it in in tablet mode but it's super great uh and 16 gigs of ram i think the more ram is is the most essential part of it (laughs) yes and yeah and i do about 80 percent of all my development on this machine now Mm -hmm. and uh for ios i can mostly get around because I'm doing a lot of Xamarin form stuff or the designer's okay. So I can do a lot here or I can go over to the Mac and I just have a Mac book. I don't have a MacBook pro uh, anymore. I just have a Mac book in rose gold, which I really like <laughs> yep. uh, eight gigs of Ram. And it is essentially just my build host, but it runs Xamarin studio pretty great. There's no VMs. There's no oh, drop so boxes. Such a beautiful piece of hardware is a build host. <laughs> it's a build a host. Yeah. And what I like about it is it's super light. So I can just carry it around with me anywhere. And then yeah. I just have my, you know, standard phones like uh, Moto G's and iPhones and just kind of my, de- my normal development devices. But uh, those are my hardware, I would say. I mean, if I didn't travel and I was working at home, I would build a super crazy beefy like PC at home. Like, That's the whole like tower. point of PCs. That's mm-hmm. all I would do if I was a PC, guys. Yeah. yeah. As big yeah. and as powerful as you can make it. Yeah. What about 16 you, 16 cores. Oh my god! Yeah, just like like out like sixty four gigs of RAM. Just <laughs> like awesome. I never want to worry about. But uh, okay, so I'm pretty simple. We're we're, we're pretty similar. Uh, I work all day if I'm being good, and in, in the office on a twenty uh, seven inch iMac. Mm. It's pretty nice one. It's got an i seven, lots of processors, thirty two gigs of RAM. Ooh. Because I run a lot of virtual machines in it, also. So that version of Mac, I also run three different Mac versions, older uh, OS X versions. Mm. So I have those guys running. I have a Windows machine running on there, a Linux machine running on there. So that poor computer is doing a <laughs> lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Wow. <laughs> but I love it because uh, it handles it in strides. Like um, I, It feels like a fast m- machine the entire time. So I love I like those that. iMacs. Yeah. Yep. Then I have a laptop, which used to be my mobile device, but I've since grown to not like the Mac. MacBook Pro seems so heavy compared to iPads and iPhones. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, the truth is I've turned my um, my laptop into kind of a desktop at home. So I bought mm-hmm. a nice big monitor and have a little bit of a workstation set up here. Yeah. I'm a big fan if you have just a laptop is always get another external monitor because you got to have two monitors. 
Yeah, actually, I'm a single monitor user, uh, mostly because I just use that iMac at work and I just have a big monitor at home. So I'm not like the three monitors set up person or anything crazy like that. Oh, I, I like love to. That. Oh, got to have three. Uh, I wish I could have three. <laughs> you oh. know, I have a big code font. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a big code font too. So, <laughs> And then uh, it, it's the iPad is my mobile device. If I actually want to take something somewhere, take the nice, iPad. Nice, I like that. Yeah, I, you know, I often I'll be on the connector and I'll bust out, I'll bust out the MacBook to do a lot of stuff because it's really nice on the laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, just so on the lap, it's just so thin. Yeah, and it's a great device. No. <laughs> I haven't gotten now, one, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, and we mostly have multiple devices, right? So I think if you needed to buy one device, oh my goodness, like people are just like, I'll probably buy a MacBook Pro with everything specced out to the max because like you have to have a, a Mac it, machine. It's a I great guess. machine if you can afford to do that, but that puts you well into the 2000s. The truth of the matter is, um, aside from maybe the RAM limitations, the MacBook is perfectly fine. Just go get yourself a MacBook if you want to do iOS development. If you're doing PC, these surfaces look pretty nice and they're not too expensive, right? Yeah. And if you needed to, you could go find a used Mac mini out there. That's probably the recommendation for a build host. Uh, if you want um, to go that route, yeah. Yeah. The haven't updated the specs in like forever, as we talked about <laughs> last week. Just go last on Craigslist and get a used one. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're great as a build host. And I use... Um, I don't want to get into software yet because that is literally our next topic. Is Our next topic is, is what? our software setup what do we use and what are Ooh, our development fun <laughs> tools of the trade i was just about to say you know if you have a mac or a pc you have a mac hardware you need to do remote desktop there's a chrome mm. remote desktop i used it remotely and it totally worked great i was like blown away you log in with <laughs> yeah your i couldn't Google believe account. it you even did it off of a cellular connection yeah i did it Real off a cellular miracles. connection it was great um, so that's called chrome remote desktop Something yeah, Chrome, like Chrome Remote Desktop is an extension for Chrome. Cool. It's free. It works great. Um, I don't know. So here's what I use. I am a, I'm a Visual Studio 2015 person. I use, you know, just standard stock. I'm a stock person. I really like stock. That's the one thing you'll probably hear me say is I have Visual Studio. I have no extensions. I have the Enterprise Edition. I have the Visual Studio Hyper-V emulators. Uh, for Android, uh, I'm a Chrome person. I just think it works great. Um, GitHub, I use GitHub GitHub Desktop for all of my Git stuff, and then I just fall down to command line when I need to. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like Slack. It's like it's a it's Chrome, it's Slack, it's Visual Studio, and like that's my life. I use the iPhone yeah. Remote Simulator. And then, you know, on my Mac, to be honest with you, like development software wise, like, you know, there's no plugins in Visual Studio. It's literally just Visual Studio. And then on the Mac side of things, I'll tell you, my Mac is bare bones. It's GitHub Desktop, it's Xamarin Studio, and Xcode, because you have to have it, and Chrome. Like, that's it. I don't, because it's just a MacBook, like we just talked about, so I don't want to it's just a dev machine for you. It's not your, it's not your real machine. Yeah, yeah. and when we talk about these, we talk about our our dev setups, you know what I mean? So that's like what I use, that's my development, you know, setup on a day-to-day basis, I guess. Nothing crazy. Okay. That's uh, pretty reasonable. I'm going to go into a little more detail because I think uh, I think it's a little more fun. Go so I am a Xamarin Studio user. I haven't tried that Visual Studio thing in a little while. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on a Mac. Uh, I'm running Xamarin Studio pretty much all the time. I even have a time recorder that tells me and I spend a ridiculous amount of time inside <laughs> Xamarin <laughs> Studio. <laughs> uh, I use Safari because I use really stock. You say you use stock. I'm really stock. <laughs> Uh, I do make one change in Xamarin Studio. I change the theme um, Mm -hmm. because my theme's better. Then uh, I use Visual Studio Code, though, 
I mm. used, I've tried all the text editors. I used to be um, a TextMate. Well, I used to be an Emacs person. <laughs> then I moved on to TextMate, used Sublime forever. But Visual Studio Code is working pretty well. It has a little pause when it first loads up a new document, but otherwise yeah. it's pretty good. I do use code as well on both on both machines. I should say, as far when we talked about markup or markdown, I mean, yeah, uh, same thing, yeah, yep. And then I use uh, an app called Clear to do all my organization. I think we might have mentioned that before. I have Kelka because I'm always keeping notes, and I keep notes in that. And then I uh, keep all my stuff in Git, just like you. But I tend to use the command line, and I actually use Xamarin Studios version control user interface that they have built into it it's actually pretty nice it does inline diffs and everything and it's worked really well for me so i'm like you i'll use a, a, a visual git thing and then fall back to the command line always i spend a lot of time on the command line in truth yeah yeah i use you know i have the office we had, i use a lot of powerpoint a lot of word i use for work we use you know sharepoint and you know microsoft stuff so it's, i'm over there i'm usually a google docs person but you know, for, for work, I have to use that stuff, uh, which is totally fine. And then I use Google Keep for everything. I think we mentioned that previously is I use Google Keep. I used to use Clear, but now I'm on a PC all day, see? So mm-hmm. that's, they that's haven't my, ported it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they never brought it over. Uh, for software, for if you want to start up a podcast, I mean, we want it to be all <laughs> developer We use Zencaster, which is uh, currently a free tool for doing all the recording. Skype for audio as backup. Um, <laughs> the first time we've never had to before. <laughs> yeah, they do have uh, VoIP built in, but it's there. What else do I use? We use I use Audacity to do all the editing. I don't know, like it still works. We mentioned right? like Sketch. Uh, I mm-hmm. actually don't use many uh, word processors. I do everything in Markdown, like a good little programmer. Yeah, yeah. So I don't really like download. I don't download any apps from the the app store on. I'm looking through my app list. Like literally, it's bare bones. Uh, oh, we. Oh God, that could be a whole yeah. episode. There is our utility collection, though, because I yeah. have a lot of little things like GIF creators and <laughs> things to help me write documentation. I have lots of 3D programs and things like that. But the yeah, it's I, I live inside the IDE. I don't yeah. live inside these other ones. Yeah, it's all that, and then. I use Visor to screen mirror. That's it. I'm going to squeeze it in with the last 10 seconds. Visor.io. I'll put it in there. Great screen mirroring tool for Android. I still use GoToMeeting because I'm old fashioned. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so this this topic that we switched over to now, I think you put on originally, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited about it because it's just science fiction, which could mean so many things. It could be books. It could be movies. Yeah. It could be lore. It could be... I think we're both Anything. nerds. We both like science fiction. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to say nerd anymore? I don't remember. Yeah, but nerd, yeah, geek, yeah. whatever. It's all cool. We're, we're all those things. We like science fiction. And mm-hmm. I love science fiction. It's basically my main form of entertainment. What got you into science fiction? Though? Like, what was the catalyst, you know? I think it was I think it was the technology and the, um, the science of it all. I've always kind of been a tiny bit repulsed by fantasy. Uh, I've actually had reflections on this, but I, I never liked the um, magic. Like, oh, you can do these magical things i liked oh no this is the progress of humanity we have to learn this then we'll learn that and then we'll develop this i just like that extrapolation into the future part yeah i i think that you know i i was really into video games early on the technology behind yeah, that too. <laughs> cre- yeah yeah you know creating you know these immersive worlds that it put you in and 
you know, there's, there's, there's movies like, you know, Blade Runner 2001, you know, that early on in my life. And well, then st- I grew like up starring. with Star Wars because Star Wars, yeah. everyone lived and breathed Star Wars. That's all that existed. Yep. It, and, you know, I think when I found Star Wars, it was like game over for me because you kind of <laughs> do have two separate, not necessarily you can't like fantasy and not like sci-fi, but you kind of fall into a bucket of like, oh, I'm really into like Lord of the Rings, like fantasy mm-hmm. type things, or I'm really more into Star Wars. You can like both. I like both of them. Mm-hmm. But like I just draw myself towards these sci-fi movies. And when I'm reading books, it's the same thing. Like I don't read a lot of books, but like the sci-fi of like a Ready Player One, mm-hmm. which just like blew my mind then. I just nerded out. Like I will nerd out about certain things <laughs> like on, I think it was like Kotaku or something like that. They they had a stream of all these tweets that they were doing from the set of the movie for Ready Player One. And I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. I just can't wait. And I'm just like nerding <laughs> out about like, just even some of the little details, like, oh, why did they pick that? What is this technology Oh, I thing, was totally you know? an art freak. I bought all the art of Star Wars books. I would look at every pre-production painting I could get my grubby hands on. Yeah, I just love the whole process, the ship designs, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, best part. Yeah, it's like as a kid, you want to. I wanted to grow up, and I wanted to like be in an X-wing, right? I want to fly this around. Like, <laughs> hey, I haven't lost that dream. someday. <laughs> <laughs> someday, you know, it's like the world of the Jetsons, right? It's like, oh, I want to like you yeah. fold this whole thing into my briefcase and then you know, jet off. Yeah, we're totally children of the '80s. It's just, yeah, it's in our DNA to love uh, science fiction and space and all that. Exactly. And when you make movies like Starship Troopers, I mean, was there not to love? (laughs) God, I love that. No one else seemed to like that movie, but I loved it. I have a really classic. It's terrible. I can almost love any science fiction because I'm like, at least they gave it a shot. I can handle anything. But that one was actually good. And it always made me mad that other people didn't love it as much as me. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, I just grew up around it, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of the, the cl- like the old, old classics, like a Metropolis, something like that, never really got into, or even like early Mad Max type. Yeah, they're science. a little harder, yeah, yeah. The, the early days. Actually, in my modern career, though, I'm always looking into, I love to see the user interfaces in the, mm. in the future. <laughs> because, well, as a child, I thought it was in the future. I've since learned that there's actually an art director and a set designer and those kinds of people. But it's still kind of fun because, well, in the case of like anime, they basically can draw anything that they want. So they can imagine any user interface that they could possibly want. And so I just like to see what's an artist's idea of what an awesome user interface looks like. And so I just love drawing that kind of inspiration from all the visual science fictions, too. I actually, I keep a folder on my hard drive of all the pictures I can. It's like everyone wants the the interactive Iron Man experience, right? Where you're exactly. walking around and you're taking digital trash and throwing it in the digital recycle bin. <laughs> my my know. number one YouTube video is a mashup of Iron Man clips of all the user interfaces in Iron Man. That's my that's my YouTube it. claim to fame. I love it. I think you know it, it. It what really got me in even into computers was early on just the ability to tech to connect to this technology. And like I saw movies like people make fun of like hackers or something like that. But as a young little kid, I was inspired by like, whoa, look at this! Oh, like, yeah. how does this thing work? And what is this modem thing? And you know, risk technology. Like, I don't know what that is, but like, it seems cool. And like, I don't know, like the era that we grew up in that just like seemed it made it cool to me, and it, and it really inspired me to be where where I am to now and just getting into that tech. So. Boy, I think you summed that up correctly. I don't even need to add to that. Plus one. Plus one. Oh, my goodness. Last topic. Are you ready? It's an easy short topic, right? We've been doing really well here. (laughs) 
<laughs> we we saved this this one for last, which to me is all about probably my, my, my one of my favorite topics when I go and talk about C Sharp and, and specifically one of the most powerful features, which is async programming, um, you know, async away task programming. We're getting technical. Okay. We're getting technical on this one, I think, just to close it off. And I don't know really what I want to begin on it, but, you know, I think I'll that... I'll start. I'll start. Yeah, go for it. Uh, in the past, I've always liked to write GUI applications, but at the same time, I always wrote applications that would burn through the CPU or needed to mm -hmm. wait for network stuff. And so I always had to create multi-threaded applications. That's how you pulled it off in all the GUI frameworks. And pretty much all my life, I've done it wrong. <laughs> I've tried every possible way to do it. I've I've used libraries. I've hand-rolled stuff. Um, I've read tons of books. And I'll say none of that even compares to what I'm able to write nowadays thanks to async and C-sharp and async and F-sharp. They've really fixed it in programming languages. Yeah, I think that it's still, it's still even those async uh, await type programming, because we always had like asynchronous, we have it with callbacks, right? So you could, you know, essentially continue, continue with. The JavaScript right? world, callback, yeah. callback. You just keep passing functions into more functions. Yeah, and then asynchronous with async await, you know, with C Sharp 5 enabled us to just have really beautiful code without the callbacks. And it's still actually new to a lot of people. Surprisingly, when I go and talk about async programming. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are, are stuck being web programmers and they're stuck <laughs> in JavaScript and they haven't gotten to see uh, nicer ways to do these kinds of things, coroutines. Yeah. And I think that Microsoft didn't necessarily make it easy, at least in C Sharp, because they made it easy, but then they confused some of the terminology because you would be used to doing like a dot result or mm -hmm. there's like win all and... They like to show the edge cases. That's always something you have to watch out with. With Microsoft, they'll announce a great technology, they'll have a great core idea, and then they'll talk to you for two hours about all the edge cases. You got to remember, <laughs> filter out those edge cases and fa uh, focus on the core idea. It's pretty yeah, so cool. It's like, you give can... Me, I Yep, it's like give me the 80 20 that's what i've always <laughs> yeah. said is like give me the 80 20 because if we if, if it's the 80 percent are happy then those are the people that we want to make happy you know so um so yeah just let's talk about some good things so the good things are you mm -hmm. can write code in the way that you're used to procedurally the first line executes then the second line then the third line but mm -hmm. that code can magically do things in the background and you just don't have to worry about it because it'll run when it needs to Correct. And if you're creating an API, you wrap thing in tasks and it's not new threads. Don't be confused that it's not, it's not creating new threads. It's tasks and taps, tasks will execute on a background thread. And the beautiful part is that your context uh, is saved for you automatically. So if you start on the UI thread, you're guaranteed to come back on the UI thread which is beautiful. So yeah, that simplifies pretty much all this terrible, ugly code I've written over the years. Yes. So imagine... If you had to go make a network call and you wanted to pull down that data, then you wanted to deserialize that data, and then you want to save that in a database, and then finally you want to update the UI, well, you can do all those calls. And in fact, if you have multiple calls that need to go off, you can queue up multiple tasks because multiple things can be running at the same time. You can Magic, async. <laughs> magic, 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 magic. But, but there are downsides. There are downsides too. Um, it's a little bit viral. 
when you start putting async on your uh, function, it's all or fun- nothing, baby. <laughs> yeah, then the function that calls it has to be async. The one that calls that has to become async. So it becomes a little bit of a trick. You have to work with it a little bit to learn where to draw the line of what is fundamentally a new task and what is just something that's continuing a task. But you'll work it out eventually so that your whole app, unfortunately, doesn't get infected with the async keyword. Yeah, you know, eventually there's going to be some sort of event, right, that are voids that you can't, you know, you, you, don't, want any, you don't want anything to be async avoid in general because yeah. you can't really. Those are just starting points. Think of those yeah. as your thread entry point. Yeah, those are your thread entry points where you have to, like an event. And um, I don't know. I just, I love it. Don't get confused by configure await. Just <laughs> don't, don't ever use it. That's my new tip. Don't ever use it. Even I'm so I thought, glad you've come to the correct side. Oh, you, you were on the wrong side. At first, uh, James was giving the recommendation. You should learn how configure await works, which is pretty simple. Um, but then you should start putting configure await all over your code. That is the wrong thing. That is premature optimization and just get on with your life and call await. Yeah. Just, yeah, don't do it. That's my recommendation. Just it's, you don't need to. Yeah. If, if you I, get I a performance it. person to review your code, then listen to them. Otherwise, yeah, yeah. play it safe, kids. Yeah. There you have it. Look at us. We crushed it. Six Woo! topics, five oh minutes each. God. We totally stayed on track. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh. uh, I can believe it because I was having a heart attack the entire time staring at the clock as it ticked. <laughs> Here we just have this we we literally have a chat that's like and this is the next one and this is the next one. <laughs> it's like a race how can we time it this yeah. was fun though i really enjoyed this we should definitely do this again i like this and also you know we would love to see you know we have had some great suggestions on twitter and other um you know contact forms of me and frank of you know let us know what you want to hear because we add these to the topics lists uh and i think i want to do a lot more lightning talks like you know, every once in a while on this and yeah and cover some things that you guys want to hear. We want to hear from you. Um, yep. I just want to double that and say it's kind of my favorite part is when people suggest topics. Maybe we won't be able to get to them all, but it's still fun. I like to know what people are interested in. Yeah. And you can find everything over at mergeconflict.fm. And this has been Merge Conflict. And I'm James Monson Magno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening.